Hello and welcome to episode number six of the Corner Kicker podcast. Today I'm joined by Joseph Guzman, first timer Alessandro Sanchez, and Kieran Spencer, who will be joining in a couple minutes. Lads, Normal. say hello. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Hello, Poppin. Let's get the business. All right, in today's podcast, we'll be covering woeful Manchester United, which sadly seems to be a running occurrence in these episodes. Um, a quick Premier League roundup, a little bit of transfer news, and finally, some games to look forward to going into your weekend. So, there's really only one place to begin today. Manchester United, um, last weekend, were dominated at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers. João Moutinho with the goal late in the second half. Um... Lads, I think we all know what it's looking like at United, uh, but I just want to hear what your thoughts are immediately after watching that game. Shocking. Shocking performance from Manchester United. Well, lack of performance from Manchester United. Uh, it seems like there's a severe lack of confidence within, within the squad and the players at the moment due to the fact that they can't execute simple passes and they can't build up the play like one-two touch and progress up the field like a group. They're always relying on, on individual on individual brilliance of Ronaldo and, and Cavani, such quality players to get them through. And De Gea pulling off spec- spectacles when they need to play as a team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, I disagree. Oh, here we go. I think Rag Nickelodeon gets a lot of hate for like his tactics, which aren't good, but he doesn't have any good players in that squad. Like, realistically, if you go from back to front, De Gea is inconsistent. He's having a great season, but he's not world-class. They don't have any good center-backs. Varane is finished. He still, you know, gets nightmares of Gabriel Jesus. Maguire was never in his life a Premier League-level defender. That's true. That's true. and Shaw are not good defenders. Like, they had, like, three good months, and they're also, you know, relegation-level defenders. Wanda, There's no uh, good, there are no good midfielders in the club. Bruno's okay on it. Like, he's, he's good on his day, but, you know, kind of like... It's like Pogba, but not quite as bad. Still, you know, not a world-class player. Pinaldo doesn't do anything. Greenwood, Sancho, Rashford are all useless. And, like, yeah, Cavani's okay, but he does something, like, once a month and then ghosts. So I don't really see Ragnick getting in here with his team. Realistically, it should take United another three to five years to win, like, a, a domestic cup or something. But Okay. Now, I think you're trying to get to your uh, Alessandro or, or Joseph, do we have a non-biased opinion? Because uh, uh, I think we all know where that was coming from. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I, I went to school with Ronaldo from ages 6 through 14. <laughs> every day, I went to every single Manchester United game and Portugal game with him. And um, uh, yes. he's not top five all the time. So. I think it's okay, just well, a lack of team chemistry for me. Yeah. Right now, just the, the amount of disconnect you've heard from recent rumors players such as Maguire, Wamasaka, Luke Shaw are unhappy for Ronaldo and what he's trying to do with the club. So they're clearly not trying to put in the work and the effort because we all know that Ronaldo. Is a hard worker. Growing up from the street of Lisbon, sweeping, you know, he's a hard worker. And this, the rest of the team is not ready to accept that. And we see right now with all the discontent, they're not connected. They can't make play. And this is the reason why they're doing bad. The talent is there. The manager is there. They're just simply not together. I think on the field, uh, the best, like, quote to kind of summarize what it's been like, um, Luke Shaw after the Wolves' defeat, um, said that we need to bring more intensity and more motivation um, among other things along the tune of that I think it's really rare that you see a players come out and say that directly that there's not enough intensity motivation desire because at this level that's rare for players to not look like they care and frankly 
when you go through that starting 11 against Wolves, the back four all, I mean, apart from, I can't believe I'm saying this, Phil Jones, probably man of the match, at least on the United side, certainly not man of the match of the game, but he looked like the only player out there who was really playing for the badge. The midfield of Matic and McTominay, I think we're all in agreement that that's probably the worst midfield pivot probably in the top half of the league. Apparently Matic got man of the match for United against Wolves. I have no idea where that's coming from. Everyone who's seen him play knows that yeah. he's he's I, passed it. I think there's a dichotomy when you look at the United squad. There's a clear dichotomy between players just like <clears throat> and players who know that they're going to play no matter how awful they are. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Players like McGuire and Shaw and I mean, yes, Shaw and yes, so, aren't like this anymore, but like McGuire, to a certain extent, Pogba, Bruno, Ronaldo, Rashford, uh, McTominay, whoever it is, like they clearly don't care. Because they know they're going to be playing. Whereas you look at players like, you know, even Fred, who's come under fire, he might not be a great player, but you can't say he's not trying. You yeah. Same with the likes of, for example, Phil Jones. He got his first chance in years, and he took it. And he looked, you know, he looked very mature. And there's sort of, I think there's certain players, the problem with having egos out of clubs, when you have egos and not results, it's like the players are actively taking away from the other players while not adding enough to, um, to the dressing room, to the field, to sort of, you know, uh, reverse that effect. And there are so many players that are just draining. Like your Pogba, your Maguire, your Bruno, your Ronaldo, your Sean Lickett. You look at that team. There's only two or three players, I would say, that shouldn't be sold at any other club in like right now. The problem is they just don't have enough players who actually care. So I don't know um, what Ragnick's going to do. I know I heard the. I don't think Ronaldo's going to leave. I think that's fake rumors. I agree. I don't think Maguire's going to leave because, I mean, he just costs too much. Same with most of the players because obviously United have a history of. Paying, you know, they spend obscene amounts of money. The United States. Yeah, and like nobody would ever want to pick up those wages. Yeah, I don't see anyone leaving. I personally think that that Ronaldo, as much as as much as I'm a big proponent of his mentality and his work ethic, and you know how he's how he's kept himself at the top level for 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 decades now, I don't think he was the best. It was the best move for him to go to Manchester United for him or for Manchester United. So it was it was mutually a bad decision because I feel. That Greenwood would in that striker position would have developed much more if Ronaldo hadn't showed up. If Ronaldo yeah. had, if they hadn't gotten Ronaldo, I think that's a really good point because potentially, but he needs to be given the opportunities. Yeah, he's not at that opportunity to play at the number nine. That's not a very another good point. I think the reason why we see we saw Phil Jones as United's best player against Wolves was because he's the only one who showed hunger out there. Because you know, after not playing for two years, he wants to make a name for himself, and he saw that mm-hmm. out there today. And he's exactly. the only one and, I, no one else, not even Ronaldo showed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronaldo di- didn't really show it. And we all know that Ronaldo is a serial And winner. Cavani, too. Cavani but, has the work rate of a horse. We didn't see it at all. Yeah, he does. McTominay anyway. passed by well. Passion Merchant. Nothing. I do no, think... I think um, continue, Sanchez. Oh, no, no, you can go. You can go. I'll okay. Go Just real quick. I do think a lot of the blame... Um, has to rest on the players, and I think we've all kind of alluded to that because the truth is Ragnick is really, apart from Van de Beek, which I still can't really explain, has utilized most of the players in the squad to try and find a winning combination. And it appears that no matter who he plays, whether he changes the back four, the midfield, the front four, we're getting the same lethargic performances. Yeah. Um, and even when you do and of again, course, it's like the performances are just terrible. Yeah, I, I we've like seen, the, we've and... seen the news reports, but I just about, you know, unrest in the squad but i just think the manager's doing everything he can and it's going to come down to the players to 
prove if they want to be Manchester United players. Otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen to the club because it looks as though the vast majority of the squad just doesn't care anymore. Yeah, and I think it's taken a toll on them mentally that they've gone through like they've gone through several managers at this point, and like nothing seems to work. Mm-hmm. And but uh, the, well, the one thing that I say, the actually two things that I'd say, Ragnar, that I think he could do better on it. Uh, well, I, I mean the tactics of four four the four two 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 the whole system is like uh, I'm not really a big proponent of it because then it has the wingers playing narrow and then they get and then it gets clustered, too clustered up in the middle and then they end up losing possession like Sancho. Like he's always playing narrow, and then like the the um, the opposition just comes and pressures him, and then they like he he kind of freezes and doesn't know what to do with the ball, and then he just loses it. And I then, agree with you on that. I wish he would be playing. Right now, he's been playing a lot on the left, and we know at Dortmund he was really made a name for himself on the right, stretching the play, going out wide, getting balls in. So yeah, I am exactly. a little disappointed to not see him. I don't there. think it's just because he's a very he's a his performance was at the highest when like he was sort of playing for that move. His last season in Dortmund was really poor. He picked it up towards the end, but you know when I, when he came, I was I was thinking this is not a world class player. This is not a person that you know. If you well, know we know we know what you think of the United uh, players. No, 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 no. Listen, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I say he's a good player, like for most of his career. But like that last season before he left for United, when he showed up, I said, if you know, if he plays like that, a club that has top four ambitions should not be starting him. And it, you know, it's happened exactly like I predicted. Like it's you know. Okay, but I, I can I. I just finished with my couple of points that I just want to say, and then you can go on with your bias, Manchester City, whatever thing, right? So basically, um, I uh, I think uh, another another um, problem that Manchester United have is that they're relying on ener- on energy with like stomach to, with the McFred type pairing rather than technical ability in the midfield, which they need progressive ball carriers. They need people who can make clever little turns. Uh, cha- changes of direction quickly create one twos one like a string of like five passes through one player and they need like two of them they need two of them to create a bunch of not not necessarily as like a number 10 but just like you know like that like they they need that two two people in the midfield along with bruno that that are very technically able which i know scott mctominay and fred they're not that type of pairing they're more of like pressuring and tackling and all of that and they're which i i think that that's a problem because then there, there's barely, there's barely, then there's barely any service that comes to the attackers, and then that's also a problem. I don't think not so. only that, but um, I just think in general, part of the blame has to also come on Ragnarok here because if you look at Conte at Spurs, Conte has turned that Spurs team from the worst pressing team in the league, like they were the worst, to the best now. You see, Conte, they're undefeated in the Prem. Yeah, although they're out of the Conference League. Like you have to admit it, and you have to give Conte credit how he's able to transform a team. But I don't see the same here from Ragnik. It's still the same old thing. Wait. You could arguably say that they were better under Ole than they were than they are now. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that they were they were better, but it seemed like they at, at like some point they were more lively under under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But now they're they're just look. It seems like they're just playing like not to lose, and that's not a even with Carrick going to game. They're undefeated. I don't think, I don't think Conte comparisons can be made though. Yeah, and I just want to make one last one last shout for the for the midfield. I had no idea why under several coaches, Donny Van de Beek is not a starter at Manchester United. That I think is that's a the big, big mystery problem. at the club right now because apparently that is a huge problem. I've seen a couple reports that he's actually training quite well, and part of that um, like flurry of articles that came out in the past couple of days about the unrest in the training camp is that a lot of players feel like him and the likes of Lingard 
have actually been putting in the performances and training to warrant starting ahead of players like McTominay, Sancho, Matic. Um, so I think it's just interesting to see. I'll be I, I'm excited to see the next lineup because to see how Ragnik's going to react to all the publicity, um, I think will be really telling, and especially of course the performance on the pitch. Yes, because and, and Donny Van de Beek was one of the one of the one of the most like pivotal and one of the one of the most key players in that Ajax team that knocked out my Real Madrid. They knocked out us, and then they they knocked out Juventus as well in the quarterfinals, and they went on. They should have they should have gone to the final. That Spurs barely edged it by in twenty in twenty eighteen nineteen. But mm-hmm. that he was a pivotal and very crucial player in that IX team and I think he's one of the pieces that should have been utilized from the very beginning of Manchester United. Alright, that is all we have time for for United. Uh, it is time to move on to the Premier League roundup. Joseph, I'm going to let you start. Um, you tend to be having a more positive conversation about your team than I've been having with mine. Talk to us about Arsenal's defeat to City and then we'll hear Kieran's biased opinion. You know, I will be completely honest. I was not going in there expecting a win or even a draw. I'm expecting a loss. The City team, is, they're really strong. I'm not admitting that they have a much stronger team than us. But, you know, you can arguably say those first 45 minutes against City was probably the best performance we've had all year. You know, yeah. I, like, you know, Arsenal were the better team in the yeah, first half. We've had a good performance. And, you know, they're up one zero. And it's all just experience from all the young players like ESR, Saka, Martinelli. You know, tell me, Oscar, this all just more and more experience that they'll gain over time. And even though we didn't get the result we wanted due to an unfortunate last minute, you know, late winner and refs, it, it was a good performance. You know, I think yeah. it really made a name for ourselves. It did, you didn't deserve to win, but it was a good yeah, performance. Yeah, because for, for a long time now, people were saying like, oh yeah, you know, Arsenal, they can only beat small teams. They haven't really done it against big teams. Well, like we beat West Ham, who have beaten many big teams like United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and then you know honestly we probably could have beat City, you know if we were just there a little bit more. I think we we can make yeah. a good shot for ourselves in top four, beating these big teams. And you know if yeah. Afcon doesn't screw us over much with our midfield, uh, most of it being gone, I think we could really make top four. I think it's well, also I'm, important to mention. Uh, it's gonna be great for us. No, so. has gone. Yeah, is he has Aubameyang traveled for Gabon? Yeah, uh, actually, if I could just speak on that briefly before I'm, yeah. I want to speak about the game, but just briefly, actually, I saw something that said Aubameyang and some of the other Gabon players refused to like even fly or train or do yeah, anything Aubameyang until they were paid got in COVID because he was partying in Dubai. Wow. Yeah, Jeez. oh yeah, and then he ended up partying and he got COVID. Yeah, but if I just speak on the game, I think you look at Arsenal. Like this is a top five team. You look at the, right now, there are five big teams in the league, and it's like. The fact that Arsenal and I mean also Spurs, we're talking Arsenal, are, are being included in that just shows the progress they've made. And I think based on ability, like they really played well against City. I was watching that first half and I was thinking, you know, Jesus didn't do anything in the first half. Sterling didn't do anything in the first half. They were really able to mitigate that wide threat that usually when we play Arsenal, we can just pass right around them. Like we can, we can easily just put crosses in and like score goals quite easily. And, you know, De Bruyne, he, he was all right, but he took him a while to heat up. Like, it wasn't really until the red card that De Bruyne started, like, you know, having the Arsenal midfield on strings. He was good, but he wasn't, you know, Partey was actually doing a really good job. Yeah, Thomas Partey was playing Mitigating the threat. Yeah, Partey, I think, might have been but man of match in this game. But it's the maturity of a, of a young squad. Mm-hmm. They didn't have it in them. It was Jaka. we know what he does. Yeah. Really stupid penalty to concede because it looked like, from that angle, I mean, Bernardo probably wasn't going to score. 
it's like it was a tight angle and like Bernardo probably would have like had a shot blocked by the keeper and then the red card is like literally off a goal kick in the center circle I, I don't understand should have had the yellow card before that because it wasn't even for him scuffing no, the, no, the yellow card spot. was completely deserved there's no question about that no, no I, but, I don't think it was he was handed the yellow card out so easily and according to reports no he was handed the yellow card out something. Like a he didn't even say anything too bad it was something just no, he he kicked up the penalty. He spot. didn't get a, a yellow, yellow card. That's like, that's he got like a, a yellow card for speaking. Yes, that, no, no, that's a by the book yellow card offense. Is kicking up the spot. That was like explained after the game that it was like that's no, what it was for. Yes. And then he went over and he yelled at the ref. But the point is like this, even okay for a yellow card does not define a game. The yeah. fact that two minutes after he gets booked for something stupid that he did because he can't blame the ref. He can only blame himself for that first yellow card. That was stupid. You, you can't get a yellow for kicking up the spot. Like that's just like what, what are you doing? Yeah. And then. He goes and he, you know, body checks Jesus in the face in the center circle. It just shows, like, this is this is a young team. These are players that don't know how to win key games. And I think that sort of, that idea of, like, Arsenal can't be big teams, the mentality wasn't there. But the ability was. So I think Arsenal as a team, they'll be back in Europe next season. I don't expect to see them winning any trophies for the next two years. But I think, you know, maybe, maybe, I, I, still, I still have them fifth. I still think Spurs will pip them to fourth place, or you know maybe Chelsea. Will Spurs. Pip them to I, don't, I don't know. Okay. What Spurs on. But I, I see them as a strong fifth place, and if they can make a decent Europa League run, maybe they pick up a domestic cup next season. I really see them as strong contenders. You look at the other sides. I see no reason why they can't. This is being you know a little ambitious. I'm, I'm not saying they will, but I think they have the potential to finish second next Absolutely. year, Absolutely. like because of the young squad they have. I think there's a they have a couple pieces away from having a really talented it's squad. A more one of which depth. is. Better yeah, striker. partner for party in midfield. And then if that Vlahovic, those Vlahovic rumors are true and they can convince, yeah, you know, that's... show them the project. Because for, from my perspective, if you're Dusan Vlahovic, you're looking at the Arsenal team and thinking, okay, this is a really promising young squad, a lot of really talented young players. If I go there and become the main number nine, I could be setting myself up for the next, you know, five years and then perhaps go on from there. Um... But I think yeah, the key I mean, thing for Arsenal will be. You're looking at Arsenal and you're, you're clicking reject call. So that's what he's been doing. I, I I'm not so I sure. Think I think the prospect of being the main man at a no, 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 big club is, on the been, rise. This has actually been corroborated by like every major institution. He doesn't want to come to England. Like okay. it's been very clear. Every news outlet is reporting, like even separately, he doesn't want to go to England. The only reason he would go to England is if Pep wanted him to be like the focal point because of how just like important, like how that's the biggest role you can get. In soccer, in well, if that's soccer. true, I just uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Pep's rotation. He wants to go he to based on like where he quote wants to go. That makes the only sense. Yeah. He's considering City is because like he, he'd much rather play in Syria. He just considers City because it's such a big club and it's like you're basically guaranteed to win like major amounts of trophies and become like a Ballon d'Or contender. But does he want to win major amounts of trophies or does he want to be the main man? Because I'm not convinced if he'll be the main man constantly at City. I, I think he will. Okay. You look at his potential. Like I said, he's got more potential than any other player in the world right now. But, you know, I, besides, but even if we don't say. sign Vlahovic, I Holland? wouldn't be mad. I think there's been other no, transfer rumors for Arsenal. Uh, okay. Dominic Calvert Lewin has been one of them, and I think he would be great. Premier League proven. I think that'd be great. Uh, I think it, on paper it, it might look nice, but I think you can do better abroad with the likes of Vlahovic, maybe Jonathan David. I think you're going to get more value yeah. there. So we need someone. Yeah, to hold I see the, the ball rumors like Black can. And I just don't really see that from Vlahovic. I see Vlahovic more of a you know a poacher, a goal scorer, not really someone mm-hmm. who can hold up the ball. And maybe perhaps Jonathan David or a Dominic Calvert Lewin could do a better job of doing that. But you know, a striker is not really urgent. It's more of the midfield depth that we need right now because I I still think that Xhaka. Is a liability to this club. 
You know, he's simply yeah. making too many mistakes that are costless because we have had games on top of games for the past how many years you've had him where he made a mistake and they just went down here from here. The City game, the Wolves game, it just happens all the time. The thing that's crazy to me about Granit Xhaka, do you remember a couple seasons ago where he had the captain's armband and then got booed off and started like riling up the fans? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I cannot believe that he's still at the club after something like that. Like an on-field like display like that. It's kind of crazy. He's a bad apple in and then that's why I believe. Yeah, you're Arsenal, only as strong as your weakest link, and I think he's yeah. pretty clearly the weakest link. In I that think team. that's why Arsenal should try to make a move for Bruno Guimaraes from Lyon. Or would be a smart signing. I agree. Or we should try to go for Douglas Luiz from like Aston Villa. I think they both. Yeah, I think those, so, that caliber of players. Or Zakaria too. Zakaria from watching um, Gladbach. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, City want him as a backup. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah, league. yeah, he's going to be a free agent, and uh, I'm hearing that uh, somewhere in the region of six million euros. If you want to get him in January, I think Arsenal trying to get something for him. We need a depth. Jaka has to go very soon. I agree, one hundred percent. Jaka's good, but he's just making too many mistakes that are costing us. Okay, enough about Arsenal and City. Great game. Um, if you haven't seen the highlights, definitely go definitely recommend was a watching it. Especially Rodri's. Yeah, penalty, bad refereeing, but. Uh, I think no, the clips there's, speak there's for no themselves. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm going to let the Arsenal fans make excuses, but like okay. objectively, it's 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 clearly acknowledged. Just just for all our listeners that aren't like didn't see this game, it's been acknowledged by everyone except Arsenal fans that all the calls were correct. But you know, Joseph is here. Joseph is here to you know be an uh, Arsenal. What fan, is Sanchez's so. opinion on this Arsenal team? Yeah, yeah, but, but I'd, I'd say just like. Uh, more in, more in the Manchester City point, like despite the fact that I really think that Arsenal deserves to win rather than Manchester City, like Manchester City and right now this season have been on a different level than Liverpool and Chelsea. They've just been so consistent. And I just want to give them a shout because they've been very good. Fair play, fair play. Okay, as I said, enough about City and Arsenal. We've heard enough from about them. On to probably the headline story of the past couple days: Romelu Lukaku coming out and saying, "And I'm gonna." pull parts of a longer interview that he did with Sky Italia a couple weeks ago, essentially saying, um, in regards to Thomas Tuchel, the head coach has decided to play a different system, and I mustn't let up. Um, really, he's complaining about a Champions League winning tactic at a club that he's just joined. Um, and then the real kind of controversy came when he said things along the tune of, now I think it's right to talk because I've always said I have Inter, Inter Milan, in my heart. I'll go back, play there. I really hope so. And then he went on to continue by saying that he hopes he goes back to Inter Milan, not as a you know retirement home, but rather when he's still in the prime of his career. And he's 28 right now, which means that's in the near future if that really happens. I just want to hear your guys' opinion. To say something like this at a club you've just joined for massive money to improve on the Champions League winners, to come out and do an unsanctioned, because we're hearing that Chelsea did not approve an interview like this. Of course they wouldn't. Uh, to come out and say this, these kind of things about your new club, I mean, it's really inexcusable. Don't you guys agree? Uh, I, I partially agree. I'll go first. I partially okay. agree because everyone is allowed to have their thoughts, of course, right? But the part is when yeah. you messed up is saying this out here to the public. And, you know, saying it to mm-hmm. his, his perfect fight. Well, to talk up. to about other players, to the coach directly. But I think it's very inappropriate of him to, to talk about it on Sky Italia. And especially yeah. when Chelsea were in a bad time, because this was released three weeks. This is actually made. Early. Yeah, this 
But then the actual interview took place a couple weeks ago, but it was released to the public a couple days. Of course, this is what the media does. The they try and you know, build up the story right before the Chelsea match, which we'll talk about in a bit against Liverpool. Huge game for the title race, of course. So really bad timing on his end. I mean, but you know, I can understand why he's not happy. But, you know, I think the best part is that he, he, he needs to try his best to make it up. And, you know, that's, that's what really matters in my eyes. Yeah, I think he's already come out with an official apology, but I mean, quotes like that, I think they'll be lasting damage. But I said, I've been saying it for six months. Lukaku is the worst signing I've seen this year. Wow. He, okay. He's, he, he, I knew he was going to be terrible. He's been terrible, and then he's done this. He wasn't that good at Inter. He was awful at United. He was good at Everton, but that was like five years ago, and it's not the same. He's he was terrible. You know, he's been terrible for Belgium. He was he had a bad World Cup and a bad Euros. There's never been anything Lukaku has done that convinced me. He didn't even play well in like in Inter's main season. He wasn't like even the, really the star of their title-winning campaign. And the season before, they bottled the Europa League because he didn't really contribute in the big games. I, I, I really do not understand why Chelsea bought him. I mean, Chelsea have a history with bad signings for strikers. I mean, they spent literal like hundreds of millions, seems like every year, on a new striker. They just bought Werner and Havertz. They both flopped. Havertz especially is just, you know, so absolutely dead weight. Lukaku is now dead weight. Apparently, they want Holland. I don't know, like Holland or Vlahovic, who are never going to join their club now. So it's I, I don't understand what the transfer strategy is with Chelsea and strikers. It, it didn't make sense to get Lukaku. He doesn't even fit their style of play, which is why I think it's especially egregious that he's saying Tuchel will change the style of play. Tuchel didn't change anything. They're playing like word for word the same system as last season. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. It sounds yeah. to me like he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to adapt. Like he just wants to. He just, yeah, he just he's, he's, he's not good enough. Yeah, basically. Well, well not, I wouldn't say he's not he's not good enough, but it, it seems like it, it seems very immature from his part to go in this unsanctioned interview and and say these type of thing. The fact that he put it in an interview in the first place is 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 wrong in my opinion. Like I think he should have just had a private talk with Thomas Tuchel. I don't think he needed to make it that public. That that was a problem. I would go so far right now, by the way, as to say. I'm not sure Lukaku would start in the Everton team. Just like okay, um, okay. I think right now, no, no. Richarlison and Calvert Lewin are better strikers at this moment. Breaking news coming in from Instagram. Breaking news: Huming Son out for the Arsenal game. This is a like certain. Oh wait! Repeat. Breaking news: Huming Son is unable to play in the Spurs versus Arsenal game due to an injury. Oh. Big blow for the North London Derby. Yeah. Probably their best player all year. Wow. I think that's a good sign yeah. for us. If we get Maybe these, Harry Kane will have to turn if up. If we get these three points, that is massive because they can no longer use yeah. the game in hands excuse. <laughs> it's a massive one. Okay, so immediately preceding Lukaku's comments, uh, of course, was the Chelsea-Liverpool game 2-2 at Stamford Bridge. A absolutely electric match, and there have been a couple of those in the recent weeks um really really good game overall i think 2-2 and eh, maybe justifies the scoreline but or the the performances from either side but kieran there's really only one winner here and that's manchester city with these two teams drawing yeah, the total race was over before the game and it's more over now mm-hmm. if it was any other team on top you would say city are still the favorites just because of how like lethal they are in the second half of seasons there they, they've been levels above just in terms of the way they play compared to the other teams and Chelsea, well, no, Liverpool's an exciting team, and Chelsea's pretty good. 
at Liverpool, every something I noted, like every Liverpool match in like the quote unquote title race, both of their matches against Chelsea and their match against City, you could claim to be like the three best matches in the league and like the other exciting matches, like their match against Brentford, they've played out like the best matches we've seen this season without a doubt. Mm-hmm. City play exciting games, but like like Liverpool play like really like two sided exciting games. As an opposition oh. fan, I'll tell you right now. Other than that Arsenal match, most of City's games are extremely boring to watch. You know, you guys score the oh, same yeah, three sure. goals yeah. every game, and yeah. then yeah. it's, it's eh. for them. They're, they're much, that's why Liverpool are more fun to watch as a neutral. Because like yeah. if you're a City fan, City games are really exciting. But yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, maybe not. <laughs> it's um Liverpool. They're a good team. I think they should finish second pretty comfortably. I don't see Chelsea, Spurs, or Arsenal challenging them. Um, and I, I do see them as seal contenders. Obviously, I see City winning. I, I, yeah. But I think the main contenders right now, like I, what I see is like the, the final four, unless they draw each other in the quarterfinals. I, I'm expecting it to be City, Liverpool, Madrid, and Bayern. Mm-hmm. And I think of those four, if it was based on just the top two teams, I don't see any reason why Liverpool wouldn't be in the Champions League final. Like They've got a very good team, for sure. Yeah. Certainly know how to turn out on big nights. Chelsea should have won that game. Yeah, um, just a quick word on the Kovacic goal um, off a corner, a unbelievable volley into the top corner. One of the best goals I've seen. I think Kovacic uh, should be starting for Chelsea every game over Jorginho. Yeah, he has a couple of games where it's, you know, like, wow, he might be Jorginho one of the best midfielders is, in the world. Jorginho which is the same thing as Xhaka. You know, mm-hmm. he makes far too many mistakes. And he doesn't really do much. Is Jorginho? I do think eyes are always on Jorginho now after that whole Ballon d'Or well, controversy. It, it, it deserves to be. If you're getting third place, you should be just make good performances yeah. in and out. Not what we saw. Right? Yeah, I think Chelsea fans have probably come back down to earth in regards to Jorginho. We don't have a Chelsea fan on the podcast, but I kind of wish we did to hear their opinions yeah. on that. Yeah, third place was way uh, celebrations are way over the top. No, but seriously. Jorginho being ranked third in Ballon d'Or is way over the top, and I really don't think he should have been ranked that high. And Kovacic, I really think he should be playing for Chelsea instead of Jorginho, but as well. Speaking of nominations, I just want to remind all of our listeners to vote for the FIFA 22 Team of the Year. Of course, one of the favorites, but the four has been released today. One of the favorites is Jack Grealish. Uh, okay, Jack Grealish. Skipping this commercial break. So, no, I really break. think we should all go. You guys can buy the Corner Kicker merch. <laughs> oh, yes, Corner Kicker merch. Uh, we may have the store coming out soon, but if anyone's interested in a giveaway, message us on Instagram. We do have some shirts and hats to give out. Um, some of these guys here will be getting some. So uh, if you're interested in cornerkicker.com merch, uh, let us know on Instagram. Do I get commission from this? Hmm? Do I get commission from this? Uh, sure. That'll be a no. Right. On to the next topic. Recent transfers. Yep, on to the next topic. Oh, real quick. Uh, Got to mention it whenever it happens. An American scored. Christian Pulisic. Fantastic goal. Yes, Just great to see. Rain is better, but it is a good goal. Okay. That debate is for another time. All right, on to topic three. Uh, transfer news. Of course, the January transfer window is now open, and there's been a couple of really interesting moves that have taken place. We're going to start off with Barcelona who have just in the past 24 hours loaned out Philippe Coutinho to Aston Villa. Villa will pay most of his wages until the end of the season. And in doing so, City or excuse me, Barcelona have been able to register Manchester City signing, or from Manchester City, Ferran Torres, uh, one of Kieran's favorite players. I'm sure he'll talk about him for a bit. This bench player, I never wrote Okay. 
the disrespect, man. No, he disrespected our club. Honestly, he wants to use his stepping stone. He just slipped into the lake and joined Barcelona. Like, <laughs> he's really in Yeah, so he, he's 21 at Man City and, like, actually getting game time as a striker. He was not he's getting not game, time. game time. He's been injured all season. He was getting game time. That's true. He is injured. For, like, the, of like, the five games he's eligible for, he played in, like, four of I do think it's a really smart signing on Barcelona's end, especially Absolutely. the fact that they were able to get Coutinho out also. That's probably balancing out the books a little bit, despite the 55 million euro price tag. And in particular, the, on the Torres, on the Torres, Ferran Torres signing, it was, I think it was a very good move, considering that he comes from, um, he previously from Manchester City and Pep Guardiola's um, philosophy mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. fits yeah, Barcelona and Xavi perfectly. And the fact yeah. that he speaks Spanish, you know, he can fit right in. Yeah, they're trying to build like a Spanish super squad, and with the La Masia talents coming out, that are I, I, for anyone who hasn't watched a Barcelona game recently, I really encourage you to do so because there's a lot of players out there who are straight out of the academy, and it's pretty interesting to watch. Gabi, Nico, uh, just name it for you. Pedri's currently injured right now. Yeah, very, very. people straight out of left field. The other like side of other this players. transfer coin is, of course, Philippe Coutinho going to Villa. I mm-hmm. personally, I think this is a really, so, really good signing on Villa's six-month loan. Impact at Villa than Jack Grealish should. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, him. honestly. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I was looking at my phone. I said that I said that Coutinho can make a greater impact at Villa than Jack Grealish should when he was at Villa. Keyword, keyword can though. Keyword can though. He has potential. Because this is the type of thing that we have to switch. So I can clarify. You're saying that in the next six months. Philip Coutinho will do better than Jack Realish did in his first six months at City. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no matter which time period you look at for Grealish at City, it's all average. Well, he's only been there half a season. So and when you saw Coutinho when he was in the Prem? Yeah, if you're talking Coutinho. about, no, I think in the next six months, like, Grealish is going to be better. But Grealish has shown his, like, world-class displays throughout the season. He's shown that potential. Coutinho is kind of washed. Like, respectfully, I've watched him play for Barca a couple times. I well, really don't when he's see playing under a manager like, like Coleman, who has terrible tactics, he's been managed by Xavi now, and he's still he terrible. doesn't even he only he played like before. one game for Xavi. Coutinho's not washed; he just needs a fresh start, in my opinion. Exactly, he wasn't even good at Byron. Like I think he was good at Byron. The narrative that. around the fact that, of course, former teammate Steven Gerrard is kind of uh, uh, played his part in getting Coutinho through the door. I think that'll be a really interesting. Uh, kind of relationship to follow because, of course, we know Coutinho last time he was in the Premier League, of course, earned a bizarrely huge transfer to Barcelona due to his performance with Liverpool. So if he can hit those heights uh, with Gerrard at the helm, I think Villa could really start to shoot up the table because there's a couple of holes in their squad despite the additions they've made with the Grealish money, particularly Emi Buendia hasn't really hit the heights expected this season and they've still got guys like ashley young playing week in week out who i love ashley young but if villa want to progress into the upper echelons of the table i think a guy like coutinho coming in could really fill some of those gaps absolutely i think it's kind of silly getting coutinho through the door uh was a a key indicator of the of the type of relationship and how jared uh, chances are things highly of coutinho and I think mm-hmm. he'll be one of one of the focal points of the attack of, um, of Aston Villa. Absolutely. Yeah, front really kind well. of three with Watkins, Ings, and Coutinho. That could be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the problem is they're a mid-table side. Like, where are they going to go? They're not going to qualify for Europe. 
It's, it's just a kind process. of a weird situation. Maybe next season they can push for top seven, but I don't see it. I think oh, next season gonna... they're going to be a dangerous team once all those new signings. Of course, guys like Leon Bailey haven't really hit the ground running yet. Um, I think when everyone gels, they could be a really dangerous side. Mm, I think the a, defense is holding them back. This is, this is all about progression and in a transition period. It's not necessarily to like oh get into the top. Uh, for example, no, I agree. Yeah, that's that's yeah. good. That's a good point. Yeah, because like they, they are like this is a team that two years ago were avoiding relegation by a point, right? You know, or maybe mm-hmm. it was even goal difference. I don't remember, but for them staying in the mid table consistently, that's pretty big. And they've got a group of players who are willing to work hard um, and you know for, work for long term goals. So for now, staying in the mid table, you know, aiming for like top half every season, maybe a cup run. I think it's 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 a solid team. They're building up a solid team. It's you know like a it's gonna stay in the prem long term. I mean, I see Jared as a long term manager. I could see him, you know. Yeah. I can easily see Jared being manager for five years. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll 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 be decent if you know uninspiring. But all right. Uh, Coutinho, not the only transfer in the past couple weeks, along with Ferran Torres. Kieran Trippier becomes the first new era Newcastle United signing. Of course, the right back comes from Atletico Madrid after leaving from Spurs. Really interesting, and I we actually heard a quote from him today, basically explaining that you know he's ditched the Champions League last sixteen to have a relegation battle, essentially. Um, because he likes the challenge, but I think we all really know the answer here is that Newcastle money, offered money, him money, probably money. exuberant wages. It's all about the money. Yep. Yeah, his interview gave serious like Oscar yeah. moving to China vibes. <laughs> That's a good shout. I agree. Right, now, but um, I do think it's a it's, it's 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 a solid signing. I think Newcastle fans will probably have been hoping for maybe a more central player, maybe in the midfield. But you know, you got to start somewhere. And I, I do think Trippier yeah. offers experience. And I will say, you know, despite the fact that um, that Newcastle are, are in a relegation battle at the moment, I think they, they've got a few bright, they've got uh, quite a few bright spots in Alan Maximan and Joe Linton. Joe Linton, very good. So I, I think I don't know about very good, but after watching them play against United, I could see how you would think perhaps they're a better side. Yeah, well, 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 but they're not a good on to the Americans. Their defense is really atrocious. Mm-hmm. They need the Botman rumors. They're, they're, he's probably not going to go. I think if go. they can get him they in, that would be a really yeah, good signing, Sven Botman from Lille. Yeah. That's the type of player that I think they need right now. I think Trippier, like I said, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna improve the team, but in a relegation battle, you know, bringing in a right back. How much of an effect is he really going to have on the rest of the squad? I think if you brought in a really commanding center back and then a midfielder, I think they may just have enough to stay up, although it'll be close. On to the American Although they'll side. still have, you know, that, that right back is still going to have a big impact and they could still get a center back. They clearly still want one. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of can they find someone who was willing to take on the project. Um, I think a good shout could be Schlotterbeck. Yeah, but I don't think he'd leave Freiburg at this stage. But yeah, I know. think he'll. He looks like he wants to stay in the Bundesliga, but we'll keep a close yeah, eye on it in the coming weeks while the not, transfer window still Not a lot of players open. that are playing well and then want to switch clubs midway through, especially yeah. a downgrade. You know, yeah, really tight situation for Newcastle. Okay, um, as this is a podcast based in the United States of America, there are really only two transfers that we couldn't really go um, talking without, and that is Daryl DK signing for West Bromwich Albion. And really, the big one for American, 
and the MLS is Ricardo Pepe to Ausberg for an Ausberg club record fee transferring out of FC Dallas. I think the price was 18 million euros. This is a huge moment in U.S. soccer history. What do we think? Good signing by both teams. Mm-hmm. Good signing. Neither of them are that good. I know. Kieran is not a fan of either of them. I, I've been very vocal, I know, to some members of this podcast and how much I, I, I we, none of us like Daryl DK because he played for Orlando, but just yeah. how much, how overrated I think Ricardo Pepe is. He's just not that good. 20 million is insane. He's worth I think this will be the make or break. I don't think this season, yeah, you know, it's he's joining halfway, switching countries, a teenager. I wouldn't judge him too heavily on the remainder of the season, but next season, I think that we'll really see um, oh, how good Ricardo Pepe can be. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he can step up to the plate because that would be an excellent way to start his career in Europe if he can pull Augsburg out of the ditches. That'd be a really good way to start his uh, voyage abroad. Too familiar with striker. Oh, yes, the El Salvadorian fan. He plays striker, uh, 18 years old from FC Dallas. Uh, how many goals? Somebody pull up how many goals he scored in the MLS. 15, not even that many. 15. 18-year-old, 15 goals. Played for the U.S. men's national team, scored a couple of crucial goals. Um the past couple games he's an exciting talent i think as i said we're gonna just have to keep a close eye on him for the next uh 12 to 15 months and you know i i think he's got all the tools he needs but of course i'm biased i want to see him succeed but we'll see in the bundesliga it's a great league for americans as we've seen pulisic going over the likes of john brooks have been there for a while joe scally christian pulisic i think i might have just said pulisic um weston mckinney the big one tyler adams so there's definitely a couple guys there who have kind of taken the path that he hopes to follow. So we should cross our fingers and hope for the best. Uh, topic four, our final topic, games to look forward to this weekend. Uh, Alessandro, Real Madrid fan, talk to us about uh, Real Madrid's upcoming match against Valencia. Yes, I think um, I think this will be this will be a good a good match and a good opportunity for us to bounce back after the. After the recent the recent loss in a while, and um, I think that that I think we I predict that we will win that we will win three one. So okay, I think I saw that uh, Vinicius is coming back to the team. Is that correct? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, I, you know, Benzema Vinicius. What are your thoughts on Vinicius? Because I you know, I don't watch that much La Liga, but whenever I do, it's or and it's a Real Madrid game. It seems that he's kind of running the show out there in the attack. Yeah, he is. He's brought he's brought a great energy to the to the attack, and he's also had a great connection with Karim Benzema. And you know, he's been he's been he's made a he's been he's done a great job of being very unpredictable. He can he can you know blow past people, but he could also do short combination play one twos triangles on on the wing, and and then Benzema checking in and Mod and, and the different midfielders like Modric and Benzema and Vinicius dropping in and creating triangles, and then getting. Um, some other midfielders in the box, like like Cruz, to come and shoot them out right outside the box. So it's been it's been very good. He's been very unpredictable and a, a nightmare for def- other defenders in that league. So mm-hmm. it's been very good. Yeah, I think Real Madrid, are, and I think Kieran alluded to this earlier, definitely a team that you don't want to come up against in the Champions League because they've got electric players like that, and then still that aging but still quality midfield yes, of a uh, yes. Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro. 
aging like fine wine. And, uh, you know, I just want to yeah. highlight another thing. I mean, it, like his mentality, it, it, Vinicius' mentality is very underrated because he came as uh, to, to us at Real Madrid as a very skillful player, but lacked the um, the sort of clinicality and directness that was needed at Real Madrid. The way we play is quick, count, lightning quick counterattacks, lightning mm-hmm. quick counterattacks. And he really was wasn't wasn't very suited for that when he came to us because he was very he he did a lot of unnecessary skills and he would just take it to the byline and he would run himself into a cold the sec basically and he would lose the ball and he would miss way too many chances too but now it seems especially after Benzema's comments that he's playing against us he's really developed <laughs> and it's lit, it's lit a fire under his belly and, it's, and you know he's turned into one of the key players for us so very I'm sure. very proud yeah. of having him at our club. Yeah, I'm really happy to see how far he came. A lot of maturity, maturity added to his game. You know, for a while there, it looked like he would just kind of be, you know, one of those Brazilian players who have a lot of, you know, technical skill but no real end product. And he's really shut people like me up with that opinion this season. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know, I, I think that Real Madrid has played a key role in that too because we, you, you know, despite the fact, like, like without Ronaldo, like when Ronaldo left in 2017, 18, we had a very, we had a very poor season after that 2018, 19 and was very, very poor, but you know, Real Madrid are the big, big hitters in Europe. One of, I, I, my opinion, they're the best team right now. And they've been one of the best teams for quite a while. And they, you know, they, they've got a lot of history and they bring a lot of quality players. So it, they bounce back very quickly. And they always mean we always mean business. So when Vinicius came, he knew he needed to adapt to the circumstances. So I think that 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 relationship between Real Madrid and Vinicius has gone very well. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. A uh, couple other games to mention: uh, Mourinho's Roma take on Juventus, two teams that are kind of underperforming in this area. I think that you know Mourinho kind of came to Roma hoping for kind of a redemption after recent failures at United, Tottenham. Uh, and it just really hasn't worked out. You look at the table, his team are kind of just floating around in seventh place. They just had a pretty hefty defeat, 3-1 to AC Milan. Uh, definitely a big game for both clubs because, of course, Juve, who have been the kind of tyrannical dictators of Serie A, are sitting in fifth place, uh, 11 points off the top, Inter Milan. So I do think that this game is important for both sides to kind of bounce back. And... uh Two teams with a lot to prove. Yeah. Not so sure about that one. Juve fans probably wishing they had shown a little bit more respect. I think, yeah, Allegri is really, really just an awful manager. Like, (laughs) everything you can say about Pirlo being a bad manager, like, he played the right players. He just had no tactics. Dybala is, like, sitting on the bench. Chiesa has been injured for a while. Allegri's tactics are like, awful. He came back against... uh, yeah, he came back against Napoli. And he scored. Yeah, Napoli and he he scored. Yeah. But what, where is Dybala? Where is yeah. their star man? That's true. It, it literally, his captain said, "Like this is this is his team. He's he has to be the leader." And then Allegri was just like, "No, nah, we're not." Gonna and I heard that apparently <laughs> Allegri just sounds like he's in the youth. He has very outdated tactics, and he just simply refuses to adjust to like new things. Exactly, he can't handle like real, you know, yeah. talented players. I think the ball is a very creative player, and you know, uh, Allegri needs to, needs to play him because he's got, he's got a lot of creativity. Needs to, the freedom to roam around and affect and a and in the final third and 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 build up play and and get shots off in the in the final third. So I think that that's a really big mistake by Allegri if that's a problem. Yeah, their midfield is really static right now uh, against Roma. 
or excuse me, the predicted lineup for Roma, it's going to be McKenney, Locatelli, and Rabio. Three kind of very similar, more defensive midfielders there. And then you've got Bernadeschi, Chiesa, Morata ahead of them. Chiesa's really, and at times Bernadeschi, but he's very inconsistent. The only one who can really create something. And then you kind of cross your fingers that Morata's having a good day. <laughs> so I think if Dybala came into the team, uh, the link between defense, midfield, and attack would kind of, you know, be a little bit more free flowing um, with the creativity that he brings. Yeah, but, he's uh, that yeah ultimately, creative Joe. He's that creative yeah, Joe that they need. Ultimately, it looks like they kind of need that midfield stability. Otherwise, they look a little like they can be exposed. Um, but, you know, Juve is Juve. You never really know until the end of the season. They could always just put a string of results together. But I do think the Italian Serie A is getting a lot stronger, and Juve kind of haven't kept up pace with that, which is why you see the Milan clubs, Napoli, Atalanta in the top four. And I think Ronaldo had a had a key role to play in the Serie A getting stronger because Ronaldo, such a big icon, moving to Juventus was such a was such a shock move for me. And you know, it's attracted a lot of a lot of talent to to Italy as of recent. So I think that that plays a big role as well. Mm-hmm. All right, and before we conclude uh, today's episode six, just want to quickly touch on the African Cup of Nations. Really excited to watch this tournament. I don't think I've ever watched Afcon before, but um, you know, I think it's, it looks like a great tournament. A lot of quality teams, great players from all around the leagues. Uh, kicks off at 11 a.m. on Sunday with Cameroon, the host nation, hosting Burkina Faso, a team that are kind of tipped to be one of the underdogs. Uh, it's going to be a great tournament. Of course, there's been a lot of controversy around some of the comments and Premier League clubs, particularly the f- really popular one right now is Emmanuel Dennis of Watford not being allowed to travel with Nigeria. Um, Watford to block that. That's ridiculous. Really controversial stuff, but I do encourage everyone to watch the African Cup of Nations because it can really be a great tournament, I think. Absolutely. I personally think Mohamed Salah is going to dominate the you think? Cup of Nations. I'm not yeah. I, I, Egypt's team is, an, is extremely strong. You know, El Neni's there, but other than that, guys. they've got a. They've got a couple of uh, younger guys. This guy's name is escaping me. Let me find it right here. But I do think there are potentially some... Omar Mamouche plays for Stuttgart um, on loan from Wolfsburg. He's kind of had a couple of bright spots in the Bundesliga. Ten games played, two goals. Um, Kind of hearing from Egypt fans that he's one to watch for this tournament. So, you know, maybe him alongside Salah could get something going. But I think the big team that everyone's expecting to at least make a deep run Senegal. into the knockout rounds is Senegal with Mane, uh, Koulibaly, Mendy. and Edward Mendy. A lot of quality players at your on a gay as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like I said, a lot of really good players. Coute d'Ivoire as well with Kessie, um, Sebastian Haller, remember him, Champions League. Extraordinary goal scorer, really out of nowhere. Uh, he plays for the Ivory Coast. Yeah. Yeah, they have similar play styles, kind of dominating center forwards in the air. I don't think Haller's got the pace, but definitely the physique and the size. Interested to see if players like him can perform. And as I said earlier, you know, like a guy like Mohamed El Neni, is he going to put in a performance that maybe earns him a move away from Arsenal to another team uh, to prove that he can still do it? I don't know. It's a big opportunity for a lot of players, but. Uh, that's all we have time here for the Corner Kicker podcast. Thank you, everyone, yes, if you made it this far for listening. 
as we said, if you want a shirt or a hat, uh, message us on Instagram. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for listening. See you guys later. W podcast. Yep. Thank you and have a good day.